Now, chapter 24 and verse 28. Genesis 24, 28. The marriage of Isaac will conclude this chapter. Then the girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now, Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran outside to the man at the spring. And it came about that when he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, This is what the man said to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. And he said, Come in, blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside, since I have prepared the house and a place for the camels? So the man entered the house. Then Laban unloaded the camels, and he gave straw and feed to the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. But when food was set before him to eat, he said, I will not eat until I have told my business. And he said, uh, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord has greatly blessed my master so that he has become rich and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and servants and maids and camels and donkeys. Now Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master in her old age, and he has given him all that he has. And my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but you shall go to my father's house and to my relatives and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Suppose the woman does not follow me. And he said to me, The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you to make your journey successful, and you will take a wife for my son from my relatives and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my relatives, and if they do not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. So I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you will make my journey on which I go successful, behold, I am standing by the spring, and may it be, that the maiden who comes out to draw, and to whom I say, Please let me drink a little water from your jar. And she says to me, You drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder, and went down to the spring and drew. And I said to her, Please let me drink. And she quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will water your camels also. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. And I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists. And I bowed low and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had guided me in the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. So now... If you are going to deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, let me know that I may turn to the right hand or the left. Verse 28. Rebecca, she runs and goes to her mother's household and relates everything that just happened. It says her mother's household. There may be a couple of reasons for this, one or both of these reasons. The one reason is she's a a girl or a daughter, so naturally she would go to her mother first to explain what has just happened. That may be the reason, but there may be actually a more significant reason 
and that is that her father had died. Because in this dialogue, we're going to see that it is her brother Laban who is in conversation with the slave of Abraham, not the father. And I'll say not the father and try to prove that in the next paragraph. But it may be because of that. Also, when it says mother's household, um, she would have gone to her mother's tent because there were separate tents for the husband and for the wife, separate tents. For example, it says in chapter 24, 67, then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and he took Rebekah and she became his wife. You see, Sarah's tent means she had a tent, Abraham had a tent, they had separate tents. And that's probably what happened. She goes there for any number of these reasons, and perhaps even that her father had already died. <clears throat> then 29, she reports it to her brother, and probably because he was the oldest and the responsible one of the family, and he had charge of the rest of the family. And then he, not only does she run there to meet everybody and, and report it all, but Laban runs back because they're all excited about this. They see that there is the providence of God at work. And then he sees the evidence of it, that the, the jewelry is on her. And then he says in verse 31, Laban says, Come in, blessed of the Lord. Whose name is he using? The name of the Lord. He's not saying Marduk. He's not saying Baal. He's not saying um, Asherah or anything like that. He is saying the Lord's name. Laban is using the Lord's name. Blessed of the Lord. That's why I said earlier, I think, that there was a remnant of faith. Don't know how many of them, but there was a remnant of, uh, of the faith among a few believers there in the city of Haran where Abraham had lived before, where his brother and, and uh, family uh, relatives settled. So, blessed of the Lord... Why are you standing outside? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So since the time that his sister Rebecca reported that there's this man here on a journey with others, he prepared the house. So there's no need to stay out there by the spring, the well. Come, come to our place. We are welcoming you here. So then the camels are unloaded. Food is set before the slave. But the slave doesn't want to speak yet. He, or he doesn't want to eat yet. He wants to speak first. He wants to speak first. I, verse 33 is very, very good. It's classic. He says, but when, but when food was set before him to eat, he said, I will not eat until I have told my business. The slave is similar to John 4, 32. The slave is similar to John 4, 32. The disciples wanted Jesus to eat, but Jesus said, John 4, 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. The disciples, therefore, were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did, they? did he? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Didn't the Father send the Son into the world 
to die on the cross for his bride. So he sent him from heaven, from the heavenly Jerusalem, from the heavenly Zion, into the world. And he went into the world to purchase a bride for himself, right? And that's what he says here. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Well, Abraham lived in the, the model of, of the heavenly uh, Jerusalem, right? He lived in Canaan, where Jerusalem is, the physical Jerusalem. He lived there. He sent his slave to go out of there to purchase a wife and to bring her to Canaan or to bring her to heaven. That's the same as here. Then this focus on doing the spiritual, the spiritual work, and not being consumed or focused on the physical, John 6, 26. John 6, 26. The people who had just been fed, the 5,000 who had just been fed, they follow Christ, but they follow him for the wrong reason. 6, 26. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you. For on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. Our focus should be on the spiritual, not the physical. And when people are focused on the physical, it shows that their priorities are wrong, but it also shows they don't have a right heart. That's what Jesus tells them in John chapter 6. He eventually tells them that they don't believe, and then they reject him and walk away from him. Micah chapter 3, Micah 3 verse 5, another example of the wrong purpose, the relationship between food and spiritual food. Micah 3 5. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray. When they have something to bite with their teeth, they cry peace. But against him who puts nothing in their mouths, they declare holy war. Say <laughs> false prophets want their people to feed them. And if they feed them, then they'll say, peace, peace. Everything's okay with you. There's no sin you need to repent of. You're okay between you and God, everything is fine. But if nobody will do that for them, then they're going to cry holy war against that person. It's all upside down for them. They don't understand the proper relationship between the physical world and the spiritual world. But Abraham's slave understands. And he wants to make it clear to his hosts that he's there on spiritual business. He did not come to eat their food or to exploit them, or just to have a good time away from his master. That's not why he came. That's why he doesn't eat yet. He needs to explain. So when he does explain, what does he do? From 34 to 49. He explains exactly what happened, right? He explains exactly what happened. So we hear or see from this that he is an honest man. He's an honest man. What actually happened, he repeats it and explains it to those who did not witness it. And Rebecca, she witnessed some of it. She can testify that what he's saying is actually true. I came not expecting him to be there. I didn't know what his prayer was. Rebecca could report words like that. 
And he himself is saying, this is how it happened. It happened providentially. It happened by the hand of God at work in this situation. He has to explain it in a truthful and honest way to them for it to be convincing to them. He has no desire to lie, to be dishonest, but they need to hear exactly how it happened to confirm to them that this is the will of God. Right. If they don't have the truth, if they truth, if they don't have the facts, it cannot be a confirmation to them that this is according to God, because otherwise they would be rashly and, and foolishly giving their daughter away to a stranger. Yeah. Now, he's not a complete stranger in that he has a relationship to Abraham and they know about Abraham. And I'm sure some news went back and forth between the, the relatives in Canaan and Haran, but they didn't know him personally, this slave personally, and they needed confirmation of all this, and that's what he's doing, giving them confirmation that he's actually telling the truth to them. Now verse 50. Verse 50. It says, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The matter comes from the Lord, so we cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go. And let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. And it came about when Abraham's servant heard their words, that he bowed himself to the ground before the Lord. And the servant brought out articles of silver and articles of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night. When they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master. But her mother, uh, excuse me, but her brother and her mother said, let the girl stay with us a few days, say 10. Afterward, she may go. And he said to them, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, we will call the girl and consult her wishes. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. Thus they sent away their sister, Rebekah, and her nurse with Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gate of those who hate them. Then Rebekah arose with her maids, and they mounted the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac had come from going to Be'er Laharoi, for he was living in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. And she said to the servant, Who is that walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, He is my master. Then she took her veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. In verse 50, it says, Laban and Bethuel answered. All along, we've been reading about Bethuel being the father of, of Rebekah, and Laban being Rebekah's son. But here, who is this Bethuel? I think that this Bethuel, and this comes from uh, one or two commentators, 
that I consulted, that this Bethuel is probably another brother named after the father. And the fact that we don't read about her father, Bethuel, at all in this chapter probably has to do with the fact that he has uh, passed away. Notice in verse 53, gave precious things to her brother, the oldest brother probably, Laban, and to her mother. But what about the father? Not mentioned. Also, in verse 59, thus they sent away their sister, Rebekah. Why does it not say they sent away their sister and daughter? Why does it just say their sister? And it's there in the plural. And it's there in the plural probably because the dialogue is happening between Laban and Bethuel of verse 50. And further, in verse 60, it says, They blessed Rebekah and said to her, May you, our sister. doesn't say our sister and daughter. It says our sister. Normally, it would be the father who has the authority on this matter. But in the absence of the father, it is the brothers, at least the oldest brother, and perhaps even another brother named Bethuel, who take charge and responsibility over the welfare of their sister. This is showing the proper uh, uh, place of authority and headship of the, uh, of the father in the family. And if the father's not there, then the brother. So what do they say in verse 50? The matter comes from the Lord. It's from the Lord. So we cannot speak to you bad or good. By that expression, they mean... They can't say anything to undermine it. They can't say anything to change it. It is quite evident to everybody. They're all convinced that this is from the Lord. And they also, again, use the name of the Lord. Both of them do. Which means the name was not foreign to them. They knew of the Lord. And so once they are convinced, they can't change it. That's what their point is, which is a good lesson for us, too. When we know something is God's will, we shouldn't try to manipulate it, massage it, and make it something other than what it should be. If that's what God wants, that's what God says, that's the way it should be. Um, Further, when he heard the confirmation from Laban and Bethuel, verse 52, the slave worships again. And it came about when Abraham's servant heard their words that he bowed himself to the ground before the Lord. It seems to be a regular practice. It wasn't just that one occasion, but a regular occasion of the servant or slave of Abraham, whenever he knew a confirmation of the blessing of God, he would worship God. It didn't take him to go to the temple or to go to an altar or to go to a place of worship It wasn't restricted to that. He knew to worship God at any moment. Whenever the the desire, the realization that he should worship God overcame him, he did it. Just like it should be for us. Okay, then in, in this dialogue, they ask her if she wants to stay. He doesn't want to stay. It doesn't... 
doesn't say why he did not want to stay, except he says in 56, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. Um, if he stays, yes, his master Abraham might become anxious, might wonder what's happening, what's going on. Now, this would have been, according to uh, one commentator, uh, at least 450 miles from Hebron, where they were from that part of southern Canaan, all the way to Haran, about 450 miles. And traveling by camel would have taken about 17 days. Let's just say 20 days to travel. So if he had been gone too long, it might have made Abraham anxious about it. And he is becoming an old man. He's 140 years old. So you can't do that. You can't do that to old people, right? Don't make them anxious about things. Right. So, well, that's, that's true. Many old people want to stay away from conflict and strife. They want to live in peace and quietness, which is, which is right and valid because we don't need to get their, their hearts uptight about anything. Okay, so that's what I think he's concerned. He wants to go back to his, to his master. Also, he could have easily lived a good life for at least 10 days or however long, right? Could have partied up all, every day, but he didn't want to do anything like that. He had self-control. He had restraint. Yes. He, he came on a mission. He's not going to exploit being absent from his master. He's going to do his w- work, his will, the ma- will of the master, and then return. To re- return promptly. And that's even what Jesus did. Did he not? No one takes my life away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I lay it down on my own initiative, and I take it up on my own initiative. Yes. This commandment I received from my Father. Right. And throughout the book of John, John ten seventeen, um, fr- throughout the book of John, it has this refrain, His hour had not yet come. Right. There was a proper time for Him to do what He needed to do, and then leave this world and return to the Father. Yes. I have left the Father, come down into the world. Now I'm leaving the world and I'm going back to the Father, he says. Same thing here with this slave. So she agrees, I will go. I will go. Verse um, 59. Thus they sent away their sister, Rebekah, and her nurse with Abraham's servant and his men. When it says her nurse... It may be her nurse from childhood because often in the raising of children, um, the mother alone does not always take care of the children because of various duties and responsibilities. There will be other women or other girls or sisters or even brothers, siblings, helping to raise the girl. And it may be that there was this nurse that was helping Rebecca since her childhood and she was fond of her and would have been helpful to her in the new marriage. From chapter 35, verse 8, we know her name is Deborah. Her name is Deborah from chapter 35, verse 8. Well, before she goes, verse 60, And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Who are the they? I think that they are Laban and Bethuel of verse 50, because they only address her as our sister. Our sister. And notice the blessing. I think it's a conflation of two passages Genesis 17, 16, and 22, 17. 22, uh, sorry, excuse me. 
22.17 where we read of similar words spoken to Abraham. 17.16, and this one happens to be to Sarah, 17.16. And I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her, then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings of peoples shall come from her. Um, so in that sense, she's going to be um, fruitful and ab- abundant because kings of peoples, kings of peoples, mother of nations, which means there must be uh, innumerable or many people and descendants that come. And then the other one is 2217. 2217. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. Possess the gate of their enemies. And here it says, May your descendants possess the gate of those who hate them. Right. In your Bibles, you might have this versified differently than the straight narrative of your Bible. It may be set apart or indented as poetry. And poetry, and I think it is at least poetry, but I also think it is prophecy. Uh, I, I read five commentators on this verse, and uh, they, they all almost noticed this comparison to chapters 17 and 22, uh, but they all denied that Laban, at least, or the family of Laban consciously knew about any of those promises. They, they assume that Laban is uh, a worshiper of idols and did not know about the promises of chapter 17 and 22. I take the different approach to that. I think that he did know and, what, and understood the significance of this marriage between Isaac and Rebekah. That's why this blessing is pronounced. Also, among the five commentators, only one commentator said that this is a prophecy. A prophecy. But even that commentator said, Laban and the people here in this family did not know that they were prophesying. He admits that it is a prophecy, but they did not know that they were prophesying. I think they did know they were prophesying. I think this... The Spirit came upon them, and that's why they uttered this prophecy or this oracle. They, they knew that this was not an average marriage, but this was a significant marriage in relation to the Abrahamic promises of the previous chapters. And just to recount, remember it said in Genesis 31.53 that it is the, the one God is the God of Abraham, the God of Nahor. Abraham and Nahor were brothers and they worshiped the same God in Genesis 31, 53. And we also saw here that they knew uh, about the Lord. They used the name of the Lord in the things that, um, in the things that they said. Genesis 24, 31, Laban says, Come in, blessed of the Lord. Blessed of the Lord. He uses that name of the Lord in his blessing. Um, the same in verse 50, 
2450, the matter comes from the Lord, Laban and Bethuel said. And so I don't think it's far-fetched to think that they knew about the Lord, if not knew the Lord personally, at least a few of them knew the Lord personally as Lord and Savior. They believed in the gospel. And that's what they prophesy here, that Rebekah would be this ancestor of Christ and all the spiritual descendants that come from Christ among Jews and Gentiles. Further, verse 61, 61, Rebecca does not leave with only the, her nurse, it says in 51, it says she arose with her maids. So at least two maids went along with Rebecca. When we come to chapters 30, uh, 29 and 30, we'll see that that also happens in the case of Rebecca, that when a woman is married, she comes often with um, a maid into the the marriage to be in the household with the, the wife. And this is what happens here. Verse 62. Now, Isaac had come from going to Be'er Laha-Roi, for he was living in the Negev. This place is also mentioned in chapter 25, 11. It says, Isaac lived by Be'er Laha-Roi. Now, why would he live there? This was the place where Hagar was provided uh, with water. Genesis 16, 14. When Hagar fled from Sarah, it says in 16, 14, Therefore the well was called Be'er Lahai Ro'i. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. The well of water is there, so it becomes a good place to live because of the well of water, and that's probably why Isaac is living there. And notice, even though Hagar is the one who at first enjoyed it, it's not her descendants who enjoy it, it's Isaac and his descendants who enjoy it, which shows that all things are for us. All things are for our sakes. 2 Corinthians 4.15 All things are for us. 1 Corinthians 3. 20. It's for us. God has created the world for our benefit. Yes, His glory, our benefit, but not for the benefit of every person. We, in fact, will take the spoil of our enemies. Just like Israel did in Egypt. They plundered the Egyptians and left Egypt with that plunder. Verse 63. Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. Isaac went out to meditate. Now, some people love to meditate in the house, uh, and others love to meditate or worship God in the field, outside, outdoors. Yep. Right? Some are inclined to one way, and some are inclined to another way. Maybe some can do both ways, right? But Isaac seems to be one who liked to be outdoors and out in the field because it says in Genesis 25, 25, 28, now, Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game. He had a taste for game. And in verse 27, when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Their natures were different. Their interests were different. different. And so Isaac, I think he's meditating upon God there in the field or in nature, 
And that's what his purpose was when he went. So while he's worshiping God in a way that's comfortable to him, likable to him, that's when he sees Rebecca coming. And notice, um, it says in verse 65, once Rebecca knows who it is, she took her veil and covered herself. Why? Because covering herself would be expressing modesty. Covering herself would be expressing honor toward Isaac. And covering herself would be expressing submission to Isaac. It has all of these implications. Modesty, honor, and submission between her and Isaac. That's why she covers herself. Verse 66, the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Based on chapter 24 so far, we can say reliably that the slave of Abraham told the exact truth about everything. No doubt. And because he was a truthful and reliable man, that's why he was commissioned in the first place by Abraham, right? And Isaac would have known that. Isaac would have trusted that because he would have also seen the slave of Abraham conducting himself day by day. He would have had that kind of confidence that he would do the right thing going to a distant land hundreds of miles away to find a wife. So then when he comes back and reports it all, everything is fine with Isaac. It's not a strange thing. It's not an odd thing because he has reliable men at work. Abraham and the slave of Abraham, they are reliable. So Isaac, being an obedient son, being also uh, a diligent one, an honest one, he knows how to identify it, and he attaches himself to men like that. So that's why he trusts whatever the, the, the slave says. Verse 67, Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her, thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. It doesn't tell us what all preparations there were, what all formalities they underwent to confirm this marriage, but likely there were other things. This is just a summary verse that the basic purpose of the chapter has been accomplished, that they married. And I mean to say this in order to get rid of this, uh, this idea people have. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter if we do this legally. It doesn't matter if we do it publicly. All of these other kinds of things don't matter. Some people have that in their head that all of that doesn't matter. If we decide we're married, we're married. And that's it. That's not how it works. Nope. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in the Bible. And it's most likely the case that this is more of a public matter than what is described right here. More of a public one. Verse 67 also says he loved her. The sequence here is that the wife is chosen, he marries her, and then loves her. He He loves the woman he married. The sequence is not love the woman first and then marry her. Right. Not to say that that's wrong, but just consider what is the main issue in both sequences. What's the main issue? 
is that you have love and you stay married. Whether that love precedes marriage or that love follows marriage, the love should be there and the marriage should be there. Those are the two main things. And if you don't love, plead with God, ask God to give you love in your heart. It's hard, yes. It might be hard, especially when there is a, a contentious woman in the house. It, it, it will be hard, but it must be done. We have to do so. And we have to do so based on Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, and 1 Peter 3, 7. So it's required of all of us to love our neighbor as ourselves, as it says in Ephesians 5. The second greatest commandment is first and foremostly fulfilled in our closest neighbor, who is our wife. That's where it is fulfilled. And then it goes, proceeds from there to our children and others that we meet and, and know. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul cites it in Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. And that should be true of all of us. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.